Bath and Body Works is pumping up manufacturing here in these United States of America. I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. This episode of Right Angles brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, I read a story that just made me happy today. I believe this was in the Wall Street Journal talking about how Bath and Body Works used to manufacture their products um, and and now manufactures their products. And so we're going to take an example. Let's talk about something that comes in a bottle with a pump on top of it and some sort of fluid or lotion in the bottle. Previously, um, the bottle was made in Canada. Um, the pump was made in China, 12,000 miles away. The fluid that went in it, I think, was made in Virginia. And I forget where the label was made. In any case, all over the world, these things had to come together in one place. And from the moment that they, in effect, ordered uh, a bottle of this stuff, uh, it was about five months before they could actually put it into the hands of a customer. Well, some years ago, back starting at around 2008, they started basically onshoring this entire process and not only onshoring it, but consolidating it in a suburb outside of uh, Columbus, Ohio called New Albany. And they have an area there in New Albany where they have persuaded their best suppliers from the old days to invest in that area to start manufacturing bottles and pumps and labels and the goop that goes in the bottle. <laughs> All of that there in New Albany, just down the street from the Bath and Body Works warehouse and headquarters um, where the distribution goes out from. And Stephen Green, uh, what fascinated me with this was the tenacity of Bath and Body Works basically saying, look, I mean, we have no comprehension of this as men probably, but there are like thousands of new bath products every year <laughs> that are, they're constantly developing them. And what's really cool about this isn't so much that they've increased, uh, you know, U.S. production of stuff, although that's really cool. It's that they did it because they realized that if they were making everything in New Albany, that they could respond to market forces much more quickly. So instead of having to get all their plans in place for the upcoming whatever season of beauty products uh, five months in advance and place all those orders and then hope it goes well, because once that stuff gets to the store shelves, they're stuck with it and then they have to discount it if, they, if they, people don't buy it they can now turn things around in a matter of a few weeks. So they, they still order the majority of it well in advance, but they reserve a third of their orders for the year uh, to see what the market does, to see how the market responds. And they can then turn around and create new products or they can reduce what they're going to produce uh, of, of things that aren't going well. Anyway, Steve, uh, I just thought this is this is what American free enterprise should and does encourage. And they had to say to some of their manufacturers, um, and, and this is probably the hardest part, for example, the bottle pump uh, making people, they said, look, in China, we have about $2 million of capital put to work there as far as machinery and stuff like that goes, and 50 employees, and it's a very manual process of assembling the little springs and everything that go into these bottle pumps. In the United States, we have about $50 million of capital and only about 10 employees because we've created this automated line to do all this stuff. Um, but if we make that investment for a couple of years, it's going to pay dividends for the long run. 
Um, this this is not necessarily transferable to something like micro, you know, microcomputers or chips or anything like that. But isn't it good to see somebody who is tenaciously going after their suppliers to say, look, you want our business, you come here to Ohio. Yeah, they, they haven't exactly uh, rediscovered vertical integration, but they're, they're doing something much more like that than, than yeah. the processes that we've watched uh, going on over the last 30 years or so. Um, although you, you did remind me of a meme I came across in the last week. Uh, women have like uh, 18 different lotions. There, there's a face lotion. There's a particular lotion for right under the eye. There's an elbow lotion. There's a hand lotion. There's a body. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the guy buys the thing on the shelf that says six in one wash. It's for uh, hair, face, <laughs> body, right. car, <laughs> carpet, and dog. <laughs> like, yes. Yes, Just that's give true. me the bottle. Just it'll <laughs> wash everything. I'll be very, very happy. All right. Um, compare that to what, uh, uh, I, again, this is a Wall Street Journal story I just came across in the last couple of days. Craftsman Tools, I don't know, Scott, maybe you saw this story, tried to move manufacturing back to this country, and they spent two years or so uh, setting up a plant to make wrenches. I think it might have been in Texas. And in order to compete with, with Chinese manpower, it had to be highly automated. And they gave it two years, and they could never make it work, and they gave up. And that is the wrong attitude. That is not an American attitude. If you want to make things in this country, damn it, make things in this country. We're really good at this. Uh, this is the country that invented mass manufacturing. There's no reason we can't do it again as long as uh, you're, you're in a state with a much lower, say, regulatory footprint than, than California. And I don't know, maybe if you can get the EPA off your back, get another Republican in the White House. Um, but this this story was very very sad because this was a case this wasn't the workers this 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 was management that set a goal spent essentially very little time trying to meet it and then gave up um and it's a damn shame because i would much as as much as I would, you know, love to buy shampoo that's made in this country, I would much rather buy a good set of tools that's made in this country, and it's increasingly impossible to do. Bill Whittle, this is not an insignificant thing. The campus there in New Albany uh, includes 10 manufacturers, millions of square feet of production and warehouse space. During peak times, 5,000 people employed there in production there. Uh, Bath and Body Works had sales last year of $7.5 billion. That has increased by $2 billion since 2019. So this, is, this was a major effort on their part, and frankly, took some arm twisting and persuading uh, to their main suppliers. And the Wall Street Journal did a story about it, Bill, because frankly, it's unusual. Um, you know, this is another man bites dog kind of story, but should it be unusual? Well, um, well first of all, I'm just really, really glad to hear it because it, I think if, you, if you're talking about the ability to respond quickly to market forces, that means that maybe finally this Halloween, I'll be able to achieve my lifelong dream of, you know, pumpkin spice hair conditioner and i'm really really holding out that they'll be able to that they'll be able to do that um but you know i'm not so much interested in in um in bed bath and beyond so much as i'm interested bath in and body or, works or, bed bath and beyond Thank bad you. whatever it's the same thing <laughs> no, 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 no. um the what interests me is uh is the idea that there are market forces that are driving people away from globalization 
because I don't think globalization is a good idea yeah. at all, and I, and I never did. Certainly with COVID and the supply chain problems, the fact that we you know you can't buy a new car, they're they're selling cars now without the features that are are usually included in the cars because they don't have the chips for them. So this whole international supply chain and everything going through China, you know, it, I'm really happy to see it over. There's always an effort to say, oh, buy American. It's like, and everybody wants to. But if there's no economic reason for it, then it's just not going to happen. And that's just how the, the free market works. Uh, so anything, um, any economic incentive that overrides globalism is, is good news as far as I'm concerned. And this rapid response thing to market changes, I think, are is one of those factors that's starting to come into play. This whole thing reminds me a little bit, Scott, we talked about this before, about um, maybe it was on our backstage show or something, but we've both um, done publishing on demand. And, um, and and you can obviously, if you want to get a, you know, a t-shirt design, you can make three t-shirts. You don't have to, you don't have to make 3,000 t-shirts and then hope to sell them. They just make as many as you want. Uh, this is kind of where the intersection of the information age and the uh, industrial age uh, overlap in a Venn diagram, which will make the vice president extremely happy. Uh, so, so basically, what it appears what appears to be the case is that there are now market forces at work that are overriding the benefits of cheap foreign labor. Yes, it'd be cheaper to do it in China, but it may end up being more economically sensible to do it in the United States. And if that is the case at least in this case, appears to be the case. If that trend continues, we'll be able to see more manufacturing jobs coming back to the United States, which is good for us. Uh, my topic this week is on uh, higher education and, and how useless it's become. And, uh, and there are middle-class wealth traditionally had been driven by relatively high-paying industrial jobs, making things. We used to just make things. We don't make much anymore. Um, but uh, that's what excites me about this story is, is the fact that is the fact that there are there are economic concerns that could trump uh, low cost labor, and um, and if you can do that, plus you know if you have a Republican in office, uh, our energy costs here are much lower uh, when when there's a Republican in office, and we're an oil exporter. In my hey, contention, uh, Scott, can I can I throw ahead, in uh, uh, one thing, please? Bill, yeah. you mentioned the Venn diagrams. I have to throw this out there. There's a Venn diagram that I've been meaning to make. Maybe I, I finally will. Uh, three circles. The center circle says uh, things the vice president says. There's a there's a circle over here with just a, a slender bit of overlap on the middle circle, and that is things that make sense. And then this circle on this side, which has a lot of overlap with the middle circle, says things that make sense when you're stoned. <laughs> country's in the very best hands um we've got top people running this country top people well what i think is is interesting about this story is that it's it makes the market forces argument and it's an argument that doesn't get made enough frankly um, people tend to isolate out factors involved in in the enterprise or in production or in marketing or whatever, and they say, well, we can get this made cheaper in China, so do that in China, but the guys in California are better at marketing, so let's do the marketing in California. And, and, and you take this idea that you can somehow uh, cobble this all together and make it run like a well-oiled machine. Um, it really hit me when during the pandemic, all of a sudden, 
I couldn't sell furniture because we couldn't get a ship across the ocean. And I was like, well, gee, the last time I flew over this country, it appeared to be covered with trees. Um, why, why? <laughs> they make furniture out of those. <laughs> Here's an idea. That's right. So, you know, I think what I like about uh, Bath and Body Works and uh, what they're doing here is they're, they're basically saying, look, you, you invest in, in our production process and it will pay off for you. It's not some uh, virtue signaling thing where, or they're saying, hey, we need to bring good manufacturing jobs back or anything like that. Frankly, they cut out a lot of manufacturing jobs by doing automation. But automation is what we do. And it takes a lot of people to do automation. And you have to be smart to do that. And it used to be that education was what we do. And we still do a lot of that too. So we are graduating some, some great engineers. And frankly, engineers are flooding to us from all over the world because this is the place to be an engineer. If you really want to be an engineer, you come here. And so just putting together this, this not really a factory town, but this supply chain all on a couple of blocks of land in Ohio uh, fascinates me because literally, if the fax machine is down, you can drive that piece of paper over to headquarters in your car and be back in seven minutes. And so uh, there are economies of scale, and there are also economies of relationship. And I think what a lot of narrow-minded, spreadsheet-reading kind of business analysts uh, forget about is those economies of relationship and the benefits that you have from co-location or near location to your other suppliers. And just, you know, the people who are making the bottles work down the street from the people who are making the pumps. And when they go to lunch at Panera or wherever they are hanging out, it's possible <laughs> that a bottle guy will sit near a pump guy and say, wait a minute, what did you say about the, the lip on that bottle? I th was wondering That's about that. You know, and there's, there's cross-pollination. It's why Silicon Valley exists because of that cross-pollination. It also makes it possible for people to advance in their careers by moving to other aspects of the industry. So anyway, I, I really just did this whole show to say, thank you, Bath & Body Works. I am not a customer of yours and I probably never will be, but you are sending a signal to other businesses that a focus on the bottom line doesn't mean a myopic focus on nothing but the bottom line. And in fact, that the bottom line can benefit from sensible production processes that involve uh, close connections between human beings to make products for people in this country and around the world. Do more of it, man. I'm, I'm reading the Wall Street Journal every day. If you are a part of a company right now, I expect to be reading about your company doing something like this soon. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.